0: and taking photographs of a handsome African-American man dead from a gunshot to the chest. His body in the sitting position slumped up against a door in the Hacienda Motel, a seedy motel in a suburb of Los Angeles. He was a long way from his affluent home in the Hollywood Hills. This debonair 33-year-old man possessed a velvet tenor that Rosa Parks, the civil rights movement legend, would later call medicine to the soul.
1: Welcome, rocker babies. I'm here with my the lovely ladies, my lovely co-host, Michelle, my Belle. Oh, you're the cutest. <laughs>
2: so excited. We're doing this. Yes,
1: yes. Finally. Yeah, finally. finally
2: fi- we say finally when we've uh, known each other a month.
1: And, I know, uh, right? So this
2: is a pretty <laughs> excited about this. Over music, it's the best thing.
1: <laughs> so... I think it—that's the beauty about music—is that it just brings everybody together, mm-hmm. and that's the purpose of this podcast. Um, and uh, we can't, give, you know, keep going without giving our girl, the wonderful announcer, who's our narrator, uh, a shout out. That's Miss Gabby. Hey. Hey. hey! hey! So I guess probably I saw this. Michelle, I saw this great quote by Picasso.
2: Oh, I want to hear it.
1: And I thought that it might be good that you—let's see what you say. Okay, so Picasso once said that when he was a kid, his mom said to him, if you become a soldier, you'll become a general. If you become a monk, you'll become a pope. And Picasso says, instead, I became a painter and wound up as Picasso. And I think that that's perfect when you think about Sam Cooke. Mm-hmm. because he sang and became Sam Cook.
2: Oh, that's Oh, that's beautiful. How old was he when he said that?
1: Oh, I don't know. I'll I look I it up
2: though. He was no, like 20. Just, just he that,
1: was like 20. just that conviction. <laughs> I love that
2: to not not compare to anyone else and just to be is so and to be the best of that unique artist that he was, like Sam Cooke, and like all the artists that we're going to do that was completely unique, and that's awesome. I love that. Actually, I want to put that quote up here somewhere.
1: We have to, and you know what's so so funny is that, like you said, it's like the whole, it's one of the themes of our podcast, Mm -hmm. this whole podcast show, is about like all of these artists that we're gonna that, that our rocker babies are gonna hear as we go along. I don't I don't wanna tell it we don't wanna tell it, we don't wanna ruin any surprises, but
2: Yeah surprises uh, are the best. Yeah. Will
1: it be? That's right. Okay. And so like doing their lives, these artists, oh, I almost like hurt myself. Oh, no, I smashed them. Bam! Thrasher party. But really <laughs> like,
2: well, we have had some tequila. So, That's right. We know. have to
1: have some more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> during their lives, you know, these artists mastered the art of authenticity. Um,
2: oh, please repeat that. Yes. I, just you, for everyone to hear. And you I want, want them do to that. do
1: it. Yeah. I want everyone, even the Rocka Babies, listening. To master the art of authenticity in your life, one way or the yes. other, and all of these people had like either a vocal talent, a fashion sense, songwriting—I don't know. What do you? And just you think? owning
2: it too, yeah, like totally. Whatever that was, like Sam Cooke, that he was like from a child, like mm. he just had this conviction,
1: That's true.
2: and he just knew from very, very early on, and like just had that that total. You know that God's gift that He had. That's he true. He really did that. It. That it. That, that and He it. also knew that it. And I think that's a totally. bigger thing because there's. I think there probably is quite a few. I mean, I know a tremendous amount of talented people. Right. And the ones that seem to, for lack of better, you know, get out of their own way mm-hmm. are the ones that just own it. They're just like, hey, completely. This is my
1: thing. Completely.
2: And, and I feel that's Sam did that.
1: Yeah, and Sam. Yeah. He was one of a kind. hmm Just one of a kind. And, you know, I was going to go into Mr. Rogers, but dang, that Picasso was so good. That I
2: know Mr. Rogers pretty good, too. Mr. You Rogers, can tell me that when I want to hear it again. Okay. I want
1: everyone to hear it. Mr. Rogers carried a quote in his wallet that said, frankly, there isn't anyone you couldn't learn to love once you've heard their story. Oh, I love that. And I want people to love Sam Cooke as much as we love Sam Cooke. He mm-hmm. was such a natural... Subject for us, mm-hmm. when we like we both, it was like we said it at the same time. Like you, ha- you, you when you do a podcast or the first episode of somebody incredible, especially a music artist like Sam, you just think Sam Cook.
2: Yeah, it was so crazy. Out of all the art, because I mean, there's a gazillion, billion, trillion incredible artists, and it was just funny that that was like the first guy out of everyone, and because it's hard to pick a first and. And Sam was our first. So yes, he Sam is our, Sam first. our
1: first rockabye. Ooh. But, you know, he's,
2: the first, he's, you always remember the first.
1: That's right. We'll definitely always remember Sam. <laughs> do you really remember the first? Some people do. Some people.
2: Uh, do you I'd remember like your first, Gab?
1: I'd like to forget mine, honestly. Um, we get here? <laughs> so I don't know. Let's get right straight to it about Mr. Mr. Cook. I mean, you know. His, his charisma was so legendary, and like you said, it started when he was born, as soon uh-huh. as he came out of his mom's womb. I mean, uh-huh. he was born in Clarksdale, Mississippi, and uh, on January twenty second, 1931, and he was like the fifth out of eight children. And I say five out of eight, because he was technically, they his parents adopted his mom's cousin's child she died in childbirth and so they adopted the oldest one Willie before they started having kids or maybe during around that time Mm -hmm. so Sam had um you know six brothers and sisters and counting him it was seven but then there was a they adopted Willie Okay. yes so you know um and his dad was a preacher his dad Reverend Charlie Cook was a preacher and they moved to Chicago when Sam was still a toddler um and he wanted a better life for them in Mississippi, you know, typical stuff, I guess, or maybe not. Mm -hmm. They lived in a lot of poverty, you know, it was, you know, they were, there was no, no opportunity, I think, in Mississippi, because it was a lot of sharecropping, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so, you know, he didn't want that for his kids, so he's like, let me just see if I could take this preaching thing on the road, and he, they hitchhiked up to, uh, Chicago oh, they
2: all hitchhiked
1: well actually uh you're right that's a good that's good that you brought that up
2: <laughs> I was thinking it hitchhiking was just, with like that many kids yeah oh I gotta be I mean, nuts I know it was right a, different time, a whole but... bunch
1: of damn and screaming kids <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but I think it was it was the dad and somebody else went up there first oh, and he's okay, he like yeah. this is the life then he came back got the family and they all they all went up there and uh they started on that on that journey um so, and, and his dad was made pastor of a church, which is good. He had a regular job, which, you know, in some steel or something, mm-hmm. didn't really matter because his life, his main job was preaching. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, all the kids sang in the choir. I mean, what do you think that's? Didn't that's you sing like? in the choir? I did sing in the choir. And I, um, the sad part is that I don't really call it singing. I mean, well, it's probably, I, I probably. I wish I
2: could, you want to sing in Like, a you know can right sing.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. What I don't was your want the rocket. To, th-
2: to sing in the choir.
1: Um, you know, I did like Precious Lord. I did remember that. But you know what? There was a great song. Oh, you know what? I'd have to, like, um, go look on my iPod right now. But there was a great song that I did love to sing. But I do love This Little Light of Mine. I loved uh, Jesus Loves Me. Um, I love that. It always made me feel good. But I sang that as a little kid. So the story about that choir is that, um... Well, you might know. I'll ask you about your choir experience. But on my choir experience, I can't sing. So uh, me and my aunt, who's like a sister to me, uh you know. she sing? She, maybe. She probably can hold a tune better than I can. Anybody can hold a tune. My dog can hold the tune better than I can. I mean, like, Chico can sing better. He's barking. <laughs> you know, and so. Betty came out to the house, her name was Betty, and she was starting up a junior choir. And she to, says to Mama, as my grandmother, you know, can Susan and Melissa join the choir? And we say no, and then Mama says yes. So it was like, oh, snap. So I got roped into it that way. But Lord, thank God there's nothing, there's no recordings of that.
2: Oh, I wish thank there God. was. We'd be thank playing God. it right now. I Did bet you, you say anything? In a choir? For how ridiculously cute you. How are, ridiculous you would insanely is cute. bad it would be. Ridiculously. Oh, it's too bad! I can't even imagine you as a kid. you would <laughs> be, be so cute. It'd be too
1: much. I was goofy, but I liked it's being so goofy cute. as a kid. I was a goofy kid. <laughs> what about you? Did you separate sing in the choir? Where'd you i start sang started singing some choirs,
2: but I was a little bit of brat about, and was a lot of bit brat about choirs because I didn't want to. I only.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just go ahead and tell it. No, it's just go ahead and tell it last night. Tell because,
2: it. Like, I really didn't want to sing in the choir unless I had solos. So then oh, I good. That was a superstar. That's a no, superstar it, it, already. It's, it's embarrassing. <laughs> You're like but Sam
1: it, Cook. He wanted to sing lead.
2: I just wanted the lead. No, but I do love. I do. I loved choirs. Actually, one year, um, this would not be possible um now but <laughs> one year okay my parents used to go skiing all the time and i didn't like skiing or any sport for that matter which is shocking for anybody that knows me it's not shocking <laughs> you're
1: like from canada yeah but
2: i just i was not a, sp- a very sporty person by any means so anyway uh, somehow i figured out friends that all went to different churches that had a christmas play coming up so, I angled sleepovers so I could go to their Sunday schools. And then in December, when my parents were like, Oh, yeah, we're going skiing, I'm like, I can't, I've got a gig. And they're like, What are you doing? I was like eight years old. I have gigs every week. Did you
1: know the word gig? I'm when sure you I came eight? out of the womb saying it.
2: But then, like, I got it. And somehow, that one winter, which again would never happen these days, I had a role in all these different plays wow for, uh, in all the different Sunday schools so i think it yeah i had that four weeks i had four different parts in each Sunday school and then i didn't go back in the winter in the yeah in the winter cuz you know there was no christmas play how you did know? you
1: remember <laughs> how did you remember all the roles you had to do like that was you? insane and it's
2: all all mattered <laughs> to me like, everything was a show it was
1: like, <laughs> <laughs> Well... It's
2: just really funny. That like, is that's, funny. That's my choir Because if friends.
1: you... I know. It's, did So you wanted to sing in the leads in the choir. You were like, can I... Well, did you go a, up to yeah. the lady and say, can I sing lead?
2: Obnoxiously, sure, yeah. That's <laughs> what... Yeah, I just like... But I loved choirs, though. Like, even... Like, I loved listening to...
1: I know, they sound oh, incredible. Oh,
2: they're the greatest.
1: Incredible, because... Like, and the, you know what the amazing thing about... You know, that was the case in Bronzeville, like in Chicago, where Sam... You know, grew up, you know, a lot of famous singers gained a musical education in the church, singing in the oh, church. Yeah. Um, sadly, my musical education wasn't there. It was being just a nerd and reading up on all these That's not sad. That's people. awesome. <laughs> I would love to. You know more than most people
2: I know. Oh, You're, you are thank a music you. historian.
1: Thank you. But like, you know, Aretha Franklin, the Staple singers, Whitney Houston, mm-hmm. Um and those we, are singers. Singers. <laughs> they singers. They sang. Um, Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash. They all loved Johnny God. Cash is
2: right behind your head
1: right now. Wow. Oh yeah, Mc McElroy Auditorium. Wow. The fabulous Johnny Cash show. June Carter. Wow. There you go. He loved gospel music. Mm-hmm. He released albums along with Elvis Presley, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, not with Elvis Presley, but they both. You know released albums, album, but the irony, and you can maybe remember this during your, you know, church going days, you know, when you had the leads and all the, all the spots. It wasn't
2: always leads. I just wanted leads. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, we'll get to him. He wanted leads too. And we'll get to that, how he wanted leads. But I can remember this even growing up, how it was in the church. It's like with Sam them. this is a typical Sunday in the Cook household and their neighbors' homes. It's like 6 a.m. prayer service. Followed by Sunday school at nine, 11 a.m. main service. Then after supper in the afternoon, it would be there would be like youth programs and night service. Wow! You know, um, but he learned to sing like you from an early age. He really did. He he told his brother even at a young age, you're talking about having the it, that he was going to make a living as a singer.
2: Wow! That, that's so awesome. Did I you mean- know you
1: were going to make a living as a singer?
2: Well, still hoping for that day. I'm,
1: uh, <laughs> you are making a living <laughs> of the thing.
2: <laughs> well, I did again of my when I was a. I told my mom, "Oh my God, we gotta have my mom on this show. She'll have tons of stories." I can't wait. I did to, actually in a. I know uh, Melissa. We know each other from the Great Willie. She's a, who yes. introduced us. Yes. But my mom, well, anyway, really. she she dropped me off at um at kindergarten. I, at the time, well, I was five years old, and I was obsessed with watching Fame. The um, Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, Fame. The, so yes. I was really quite, I was pretty pissed off that I was in Kamloops of all places. I'm like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be in Manhattan. This is insane. This is not part of my career path. <laughs> and so my mom, at five years old, drops me off, and I look at her like a crazy person and go, you realize you're holding me back from my career. <laughs> <laughs> Pull that she should have like gotten rid of me a long time ago because i know saying... <laughs> she,
1: she's like i got oh, somebody just like me spunky spunky just like her you know so you probably would have been sitting there next to sam because his brother i oh, wish i
2: was his, friends with sam that i know be. i
1: wish i was friends with sam but you know his brother lc you know he would sing to popsicles as if they were his audience, oh, Sam would. That's so his brother cute. LC told that story, and that's I thought so that is awesome. I mean, the one amazing thing about Sam that we're going to find out as we go along with these podcasts that kind of sets, sets him apart, I think, from a lot of because most artists are tortured, you know, from childhood <laughs> on, meaning they grew oh, up in an effed up family or just a fucked up family. And Sam, that wasn't the case with him. He grew up in a very loving and extremely close family. You know, he loved his parents. They loved him. Everybody adored each other. There wasn't oh, so any nice. type of dysfunction of Maybe that's what you know, led screaming. to
2: his velvety, perfection Maybe
1: voice. so, because they really encouraged his singing. Like your parents, they encouraged him to sing. And he, you know, he had a great, you know, voice even as a kid. And, you know, he was always encouraged. He didn't have hang-ups like the typical artist would have, mm. being in a dysfunctional family. He he was unique in that way, because, you know, we you hear about, you know, a lot of families where there's the stage parents, and, you know, they're kind of like Yosemite Sam. I don't know if you remember the Bugs Bunny yeah, cartoons yeah. where, you know, Yosemite Sam is, like, shooting at Bugs Bunny's feet and saying, sing, sing. It wasn't that way with him. Yeah. He just enjoyed it, you know.
2: Yeah, but you can tell, I mean, there's something so effortless, about his voice that always existed. Like I think, um, when I think of Sam Cooke, I think of being in grade five and grade six, and uh, with my dad he used to listen to Sam Cooke all the time. Mm. And it brings back, cause, you know, sound and smell like just take you to a place. Mm. And so here I'm up in Canada, uh, we were at our cabin, and my dad always worked, uh, like he still does, he always likes to build stuff on the weekends. So I just remember weekends like, him building something because there was always something (laughs) being built and like just being up at the cabin and listening to Sam Cooke and that's such a strong
0: Mm. memory
2: and it was such a happy I just always think of such happy things when I think of his voice I associate and that's coming from a kid in Mm. the 80s from somebody that was like 30 years before that you know to have such an effect and that's um, true
1: it's timeless he's totally
2: where like that's where I go when I think of Sam and everyone's Everyone's going to have a different perspective, but to me, like I smell cedar because I remember my dad was doing redoing the um, redoing the bathroom, and then I stole a bunch of the wood to make a Barbie house. But that's another story. But. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's perfect. Stuff, but, but you know what? I'd want you to make the Barbie house. I'd be like, you know what? And I'd probably be directing you. Can you make the roof a little? Yeah, bit my dad more was supportive
2: because, like, I yeah. it was like at 6 a.m. when I stole all my supplies, <laughs> and then because I my uncle had taught me this long time ago. You know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. Totally. And I'm like, well, there you go. So, um, anyway, sure could say yeah, that that, so I song. think of Sam <laughs> Cooke thinking of like it's just weird how memories go. And no, that's
1: very true because. My grandmother loved like Sam Cook, Ray Charles and she would play them. I just remembered even as a, a kid in South Carolina, you know, like he's just he's just always been like the fabric of families, you know. And that would be something cool for the Rocker Babies to kinda like, you know, write into our website and tell us what their first memory oh, of I sam cook and there's yeah. his, his song because it's
2: transcendent too like look yes. you're like a kid in south carolina yeah. i'm a kid up in canada we're and also on the west coast east yeah. coast and that just
1: race fully, creed gender yeah everything
2: and then here's this beautiful voice from decades ago wow. that is affecting our current like like I even think of movies like I I also I love the movie Innerspace. Space it's Innerspace, Space right yeah Inter
1: because
2: yeah. like there's two Sam Cooke songs on that and that Ooh. was a mid 80s song which
1: one do you remember
2: uh, Cupid and um should know this but it's Cupid I think you sent me you sent me yeah
1: that yes but I loved cool. Innerspace,
2: Space and a lot of people don't even remember interspace Space I'm like what are you talking about it's Well, now they will Meg Ryan it's an amazing movie
1: you so brought I'm it Cooke back.
2: Reminds me... See, that also
1: reminds me of the cabin. See, I, I feel like I'm at the cabin right now. Wow, <laughs> see? You know what? It feels... It's cozy in here, so it feels like a little cabin. It feels like
2: a you hot know? cabin. Dude. Yes, but
1: it feels like a cabin. <laughs> so, I guess the, the one thing about Sam is that... The funny thing is, though, he wasn't allowed to go to movies. Hmm. You know, his dad was kind of strict on that. They weren't allowed to go to movies. And he, being Sam Cook, and being... The little, you know, amazing head of his time rebel that he is, decided at thirteen, I'm gonna go to the movies, and he got his brother LC to go with him. Um, How and, old was LC? Ooh, now LC is about two years younger than him. Oh, they're like Irish twins. Hmm. You know um he was very close to him because they 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 even slept in the same bed because it was a big family and he said they they fought all the time and like sam would say i think it, one of them would say at the middle of the night go we didn't even fight today and then they start doing this you know hitting each other in the bed, just <laughs> oh, fighting so great. <laughs> but, you gotta get it out. <laughs> you know Elsie told a great story that you're you're gonna love you guys are gonna love so he told this story, and I thought it was funny, only because it's just gross and funny. But, um, you know, they were at the movies. One day they went to the movies. There were no seats. So Sam yelled out, fire. And that got everybody all around, though. <laughs> and they ran out. And Elsie said that people wanted to kill their asses. That's what he said, and put them in jail. And he said, needless to say, we got a seat. That's amazing. <laughs> like, that was, like, the best story I read about, you know, the 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 whole movie incident, you know. But the funny thing is, like you, you know, he when he was six, you know, how you were, you know, thinking of all these solutions about how to get into that choir and sing, unlike me. Uh, when he was sick, he joined his brothers and sisters in, a, in their first little group. It was called the Singing Children.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: I mean you know he wanted to sing lead like you and they were like no small fry stay in your place <laughs> we going to sing lead it was the, the oldest older siblings mary and charles and charles i think was the lead singer along with Mary and he was six going you know they were older than him definitely by a few years you know they must have been about 11 12 or whatever and he would be like you know bugging them all the time about wanting to sing lead and they were you know gave him the hand basically and but I think that was good because that gave him an early lesson in learning how to harmonize for the other oh, groups yeah, that he would be sure. in you know even from my early age it gave him experience you know he's almost kind of like a you know Michael Jackson started at that age too around mm-hmm. 6 singing with his family just Michael was lead singer and Michael kind of got treated like the you know the Bugs Bunny and Yosemite yeah. Sam because yeah. his you know but the funny thing about Michael is he said that years later that he didn't nobody would have to like force him to sing he just loved to sing probably as you know it takes you to a different place I'm sure
2: oh yeah it's I think it's the greatest I think everybody should, whether, even if you're good or not good, doesn't matter. Right. I think everybody should sing. If you have some element of a voice, if you can talk, I think you can sing. You can sing
1: in the car. Yeah, I do. Like when sing, I hear a good it doesn't song. It doesn't
2: matter if you suck. Like, it's yeah. the, I think, like, my dad used to always say to me when I have one of my trillion meltdowns, I'd like to pretend <laughs> that I'm over those, but I'm not. And uh, he'll just ask me, he's like, did you sing today? And then I'll be like, mm. well, but, but. Go sing, and Go
1: he'll sing. hang up on me. Ooh, nice. He will
2: hang up on me, and I think it's so, like, it's the greatest thing, and not just for singers. Mm. It's the greatest thing for everybody. Yeah, because so people sing totally in the can't. shower. Well, yeah, and, like, think about it. Who are you talking about? Last night, you said, so, and everybody does. You know when you eat ice cream or mm-hmm. any food?
1: Yes, I love ice cream. Yeah, I same like, like Yeah. Like Eddie Murphy said, when you eat ice cream, you start singing and stuff.
2: Yeah, so why do we naturally do that?
1: Why do we naturally if something's awesome?
2: We sing so.
1: It comes from another place, I think. It
2: does. That's, I totally think it does. That's
1: true. Yeah, because you know what? There's this song that we were listening to earlier. Me, you, and Ben, and Mi gente. I like me gente mm-hmm. because I don't know. I don't know how to sing it in Spanish, but that little beat takes me to another place. I want to start shaking my hips when I, when I hear it.
2: But that's music, again, that's with true. the word transcendent. It's that's magical. what music does. It just takes you to a whole new world, new place. And that's what, that's true. I mean, why we're even doing this to honor these great musicians. Exactly. That inspired us, made us and happy. Took us and us to yeah. took us to that and place.
1: Took us to that place. And their story. Totally. And Sam had a good one. Sam is good. Oh, Always. People will see, as the Rocka Babies are going to see. Um, He he disbanded, they disbanded the group in in his sophomore year in high school. Um, Then he joined, okay, this is the good stuff, all good. But during his teenage years, like when he was 16, 17, he joined a group, uh, it's different stories about how he came across the group, but it's called the Highway QCs. And um, they were a bunch of young men who, you know, were, um, you know, they were a quartet, I think it was like five or six of them, young men in there I think Sam was the oldest the rest of them were like 15, 16 and they he really I think what we were just talking about harmonizing at a young young age he really kind of sharpened his instrument you know and because of his good looks girls would show up and start screaming at him in the church you know That's having little fainting spells you know <laughs> he was amazing. already a heartthrob, you know and he loved it because guess what he became the lead singer he was the uh-huh. lead singer and you know, because he had a pitch-perfect tenor by that point. You know, he's had a, a magical tenor, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. Oh, you um, can easily say
2: that. Velvet voice. Yes, perfect velvet, velvet voice. voice.
1: That is so true. Um, and from the time of his, and I'm, I bring this up from the time that he was a kid, he was a really voracious reader. Um, he loved to read. And I think during this time he started, he read a lot still. Even when he would be on the road, they traveled to places around Illinois, you know. They didn't go too far out the box, I don't think. I think they went down to Memphis a few times. But um, the funny thing is that, you know, this habit, this long lifelong habit of reading, I think really fueled his writing. Mm-hmm. Because this is when he first started songwriting um, as a part of...
2: So he was like 17 when he started songwriting?
1: Yeah. Yeah, and he loved it, you know. He'd get up in the middle of the night. That's
2: rare for that time. Like, a lot of artists, like, because now a lot of artists do write their music, but Mm -hmm. back then a lot of artists did not write their music. That's
1: true. And he didn't even have to because they were just singing gospel spirituals.
2: And with his looks and voice, he could have got by on either of those. And he was like the trifecta of <laughs> looks, voice, and the ability to write his own music. He
1: won crazy. the lottery. Really <laughs> in that in that in that way. You know, you're right. I mean, he was always a natural born leader, so he would write songs in the middle of the night and then he had the audacity to get his bandmates up so that they can practice their harmonizing.
0: In the Ever middle the, of the night?
1: In the middle of the night. That's the amazing. natural born leader that he was. In the middle of the night, he'd be like, all right, let's get up. That. All <laughs> right, so look, we need to practice this mess here. Let's just keep it going.
2: That's amazing. And
1: I think that was good for him because I think that, that, I don't know, what do you think? Do you think he gained his confidence as a child? Or when during this time, it kind of strengthened his confidence?
2: I mean, I'm sure, it sounds like he was born with that confidence. But I also, I'm sure, I mean... Performing from such a young age and having, like, kind of at a semi-professional level, right? Totally. Or if not professional, that's, I think you, you pretty much hone your chops pretty quickly that way. Yeah. But it did sound like, it's like, it's like he packs so much into such a short period of time. I know. It's like he, there was a thing I of him know. that knew his life would maybe...
1: That's very not true. Not be as
2: like because he just did so much for such a young man, like it's and so early.
1: That's going to be fascinating to really explore in the upcoming podcasts, especially ones that had that did not live, you know, a long life. Mm-hmm. Some did, some didn't. But it'd be amazing to see leading up to that point for the sh- the ones that had a shorter amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like in this case, where you see like early on, he's by in a second group. By the time he's like seventeen, like, that's you know, insane. I know. And writing songs, he's writing songs. A voracious reader. I mean, it's like he was moving at such and a fast and performing, like
2: he was touring at the time. And yeah. he was like, and this is like, I think people have to remember this is pre nineteen fifty. Right, like, you know, we're still in the 40s
1: here. Like, <laughs> exactly. This is really. Exactly. It's the 40s, and
2: like going to church and like women screaming, like that's hilarious. Like that's amazing. Yeah, amazing. To be a rock star in your church.
1: I know. I and love And every church they went to, and they would just go to different places. He wanted to be. Rec- they wanted somebody to record them. They mm-hmm. wanted somebody to, you know, he that you know he always was very. Ambitious, mm-hmm. and I think that he never complained, but something had uh, to change. You know, go ahead, the
2: not complain, just about never complaining. Like, I hear right. that a lot from just people that have achieved ridiculously amazing things. Mm-hmm. Rarely are they ever complainers. And mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Sam and was just happy to be there, he was happy to be there, and he was happy to just be able to sing. That's yeah, how much he I mean, loved it.
2: Pretty amazing thing when you think about it he
1: appreciated it
2: yeah to be like well some people are going to do most people not some people Mm -hmm. I mean most people do jobs they don't like you know to remember those days that that like he was able to sing and be so amazing
1: I was just thinking I don't think he ever really had a job, like a like a yeah. nine to five. Thank God he didn't really have oh, probably like
2: not because where would he no, have had time? He didn't have
1: time. He no. was in high school in the Highway QCs, mm-hmm. and then at nineteen, you know, because he was in there for two years, and then you know he had he was like something's got to give, something mm-hmm. else. I have to do something else, and that something else was the Soul in 1950. Mm. You know, he joined them, and they were, like, the preeminent gospel group at yeah, the time. Yeah, they
2: were, like, a big deal back totally. then. Totally.
1: Right? And they had something that he had wanted to do, mm. record.
2: Oh, yeah, because yeah, they actually had a contract and everything. Yes,
1: they did, with uh, Specialty Records. Um And mm-hmm. uh, it's funny, because, like, Sam, what, what happened is their lead singer of the Soulsters, R.H. Harris, his name was Rebert rebert harris but his name his name was rh harris he retired and they need to lead singer and these are like grown ass men like they're like in their 30s and 40s and here's this 19 year old and they had heard him sing in the church and you know around because the quartet like you know they had actually rebert and the soulsters had like a little like a gospel um i want to get it right it was like a gospel quartet, like. Uh, battle so Sam had been doing those battles with the highway QCs when he was with the highway QCs and then he he the soul stars knew who he was there was no prize money it was just we went and did battle like you know like wow. hip hop battles like oh, that's what amazing. Eminem they went in there you know and they'd all do the thing at the church and everybody go bananas and stuff they did that in the churches back then like little, uh, little wouldn't that down. have been
2: amazing to yeah, see it's called
1: <laughs> on South Street some South State Street I think it was and so they knew of Sam, and they asked him to join. Um, and, and, of course, he said yes, because he was like, they got a you know a recording contract with specialty records. He went and talked to his family, his dad, got his dad's blessing. His dad's like, hey, go for it. You know what? Go for it. Let's see what happens, you know? And so his new bandmates, yeah, like I said, they were adults. And like you said earlier, this is probably the time that he really stepped into the professional zone. Mm-hmm. Know at during this time
2: at 19,
1: <laughs> at 19, at 19, in his old at age 19. of 19, he is I know, finally
2: professional, <laughs> finally,
1: I know, damn it. Um, <laughs> such an old soul, right? I
2: know, but he had to do a lot in that
1: lifetime, you know. And you know, what's so great is that one of his band bandmates, named SR Crane, was uh, would become kind of like his singing teacher in the band because he was mm-hmm. like the one that. Kept the group, like, helped them harmonize. And you go here, you go there. But he really, you know, they rehearsed constantly. So it gave Sam a chance to rehearse, um, tour. They toured, like, from day one. And they, you know, I think SR became, like, a kind of a a guiding force in helping Sam to gain his stage presence, his style, and he coached him. And Sam recognized him for that years later. He recognized SR Crane for what he did. Um, but the stirs were signed, and here's he some good.
0: Sam grew up in Chicago's Bronzeville neighborhood. In the early 1930s, gospel music began to gain popularity in Chicago due to the godfather of gospel music, Thomas A. Dorsey. Music historians often cite Pilgrim Baptist Church as the birthplace of gospel music. Originators of the genre, including James Cleveland, the Staple Singers, and the Edwin Hawkins Singers, have performed there. Thomas A. Dorsey began his career as a blues pianist, but later began composing religious music to the rhythms of jazz and blues, later calling it gospel. He was the music director at Pilgrim Baptist Church from 1932 until the late 1970s. Tired of the treatment he received in other music publishing houses, Dorsey founded his own, called Dorsey House of Music. His most popular song, Precious Lord, Take My Hand, was a favourite of Dr. Martin Luther King and was sung by Mahalia Jackson at his funeral, and was also sung at President Lyndon B. Johnson's funeral. It has been sung by Aretha Franklin, B.B. King, Roy Rogers, and Tennessee Ernie Ford. Another popular song, Peace in the Valley, was performed by dozens of artists, including the Queen of Gospel, Albertina Walker, Elvis Presley, and Johnny Cash. He was the first African-American elected to the Nashville Songwriters' Hall of Fame. Dorsey died in Chicago aged 93 in January 1993.
1: So, the record company didn't know about Sam, um, and so they, so they always- they just
2: came in and they didn't tell them?
1: Right. Oh. So they had just signed a recording contract, a new one, before Sam came in with R.H., with, I'm um, sorry, Re, with Rebert, and they didn't tell the record company about Sam coming in, so they show up on, um, you know, March 1951 They had already been doing their touring and stuff. And so they walk into the recording studio and Art Rupi, or Art Rup, I guess is his name, he was the owner, and he looks at this kid, this teenager, and he's like, who the hell is, what the hell, who the hell is this? And they're like, yeah, about this right here, this, this is Sam, you know, and he hit the roof, you know, because he's like, guys, we just signed a contract with you guys. We didn't sign it with this guy and you know what the hell what gives and he looks at sam and you know because they're there and he's like screw it i gotta do this shit right and he looks at sam and he points and points at him and he said you you can only make one mistake you've got mm-hmm. one mistake so you can imagine a poor pressure on sam
2: yeah
1: i mean yeah, that's
2: pretty intense
1: <laughs> can you imagine somebody i at can't you imagine I'd be you like, got, <laughs> at 19 at 19 somebody looking at you got yeah. one mistake and, you know, that recording session ended up being an 11, 11-song 11 marathon session. Wow. And he impressed Art to the hilt. To 11 the hilt.
2: songs in one day? Just, like, yes. live off the floor?
1: Boom. Oh, that boom. sounds amazing. Because you've done that. Now, you've been in the recording booth. What does that feel like when you step into a recording booth? Can you imagine what Sam felt like finally? Wow, wow, that would be... Finally? Take a it's drink always, of my tequila. Always,
2: it's always amazing. Especially when you go to, you know... And you go to real studios. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> like, it's always fun, you know. You get to go in and then you get to sing. Like I mean, I don't think I've ever—not I don't think I—I I know I've never lost that feeling. That's all. It's always great. I always see singing as an honor. So mm. that's. uh
1: And those recording studios probably don't look like the recording studios today.
2: Yeah, they're probably way more awesome.
1: You think so? Yes. What? Real Tell me how. Recording
2: studios. Oh Tell my god. yeah Well, okay. First, I mean, yes, there's still lots of awesome recording studios. But, like, you know when you think of that idea of, like, the original recording studios mm. where things are done on tape and it's all live in the room? Like, oh, it probably stunk like cigarettes, which would be, because you just imagine, like, it's yeah. just, it's it would be amazing. I can't yeah. even imagine. Wow. That idea, though, of everybody playing together too mm. would be so amazing and because everything was done on tape I, it wouldn't be so forgiving you you would actually like you'd really make every take matter because it's not just like oh I can just throw that away I can do that take 20 times
1: mm-hmm.
2: um I mean it's quite I don't know if it would be like I, I feel
1: you probably quite, have to know your was, stuff oh, especially if you're sure, saying you've yeah. got the, do it just like what you said live, like that, like you know, not a lot of magic going on. You know what I mean? But the magic
2: would be with the musicians. I, mm. I think. I mean, mm. I think probably a lot of us romanticized that time, but I I do think it. And you see all the pictures.
1: Special. It looks pretty special, yeah. It just looks
2: magical, and, and it
1: looks so perfect. Cause even with mm-hmm. Sam, you know, you see him in the studio with the little headphones, and it looks just uh, and that
2: classic picture. With I mean, the smoke would drive me nuts. Yeah. but I would also love like just. You know, I know, right? That I would have gotten lung, lung cancer, but I would have
1: loved run. being in there. It's <laughs> like you know what? I want to be in here. I yeah, don't want to miss feel a thing. Be pretty
2: magical. Because even right now, <laughs> even with everything that. Because obviously, like, including what we're doing today, it's made, recording has become far more accessible, Mm -hmm. which is awesome in some ways. But then a lot of times, like, there's still, like, a high premium for analog sounds. Like, that's, like...
1: Kind of like the band that was in uh, Motown. The band, Motown had a a studio band. Um, They were called the Funk Brothers. And, yeah, like, one of them, James Jamerson, played the bass. Like, oh... Oh, I would love to play the 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 um, tune, but but it was um, Papa was a Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. and he that that first magical part of that bass, like it was um it's incredible, and to get it right or oh no no you know what it was I'm sorry I got it wrong it was My Girl and you know how My Girl mm-hmm. starts out with the bass, mm-hmm. I, I remember looking at a documentary and they said that he um, played that part lying down like to oh, really I get it that. good. You know what I mean? You're right. They had to be in that small. And look, when you look at Motown, when it was like Motown in Detroit, the room was about as big as this room mm-hmm. that they were playing in. They were tiny rooms. It wasn't like it was massive and this. When you go to Motown, if you ever get up there, I would love to go. Oh,
2: let's I'm go. Looking, we'd have
1: to go. They're taking rockabies yeah. on let's the take, road. Let's take rockabies <laughs> on the road, right? And, and the room was as small as this room. And to see that all yeah, that I musicianship. Know. And now what I want to know from you is what does the glass do? Could you see oh, it's recording? all – everything's
2: for sound. So every mm-hmm. – because, like, when you go into, an, like, an isolation booth, mm-hmm. like, for vocals – I had a – not a great one here recently, but when you – everything's for sound. So you go into your little booth, and Gabby would know this. She does this when she does uh, – for any type Voice of vocal over. thing. Yeah, because uh-huh. – so, um, yeah, just because you'd be isolated. So you don't have to deal with, you know – the garbage truck outside or Or
1: door slamming uh,
2: other issues when you're recording Scott (laughs) meowing (laughs) Oh, Scott yeah that's that's the biggest problem here (laughs) um but yeah so that's what uh, like a vocal booth everything's for isolation and sound I get it so um
1: and it makes it yeah. easy, probably, to separate the vocals and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, because
2: you'd be separating, and and back then too, a lot of stuff was done all live in a room, mm-hmm. which is awesome. So yes. it's basically so everything is mic'd separately and then it's done live. When now that's the
1: most incredible. World. I know, and
2: that's where you get the real magic. I'm not hacked There's nothing wrong with the whole digital world. Mm-hmm. I I love that. There's I like both. Like it's great to be able to have to have both, I think. But it's just, there is something so magical about that idea of walking into that studio and and just playing with these ridiculous musicians where everybody, every single person is a master at their own instrument. Ah. And so that's why together, they're just... I mean, and that's how that magic was... That's why now, 60, 70 years later, that music still stands. Mm. Those recordings still are there because there was something... Special about it that can't really be recreated.
1: No, it can't be you know, replicated. Like, at it can all. be
2: covered, and which can be great, but it's not going to be. There will never be another Sam. You can't be another Sam. No. You can be beautiful and amazing, right?
1: But that he was, was. He
2: was what. It's a voice that just, and it's one of those voices that you just hear, and you're like, oh, that's Sam. There's no question. It's not like, who is right. that? Oh, could that be? You're like, no, it's it has to be Sam Cook. There's only one Sam
1: Cook. Totally. Totally. I mean, and that's probably what Art, the owner, probably piped into, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? When he probably heard, he's like, okay, I got something special. If you're owner of a record company or a record label, you should know when you see something really special. Mm-hmm. And that this was a teenager, 19-year-old. And, you know, the great thing, this, the first session, and this is going to be great, now we're going to get into some money issues here, money stuff. <laughs> Uh, Is that first session really gave Sam a lesson about the business? Because in order to record, so probably after he said to Sam, you know, your first, you know, your first, you know, you got one mistake. He said, okay, he has to sign a contract. And so they made made Sam sign a writer's contract, which stated that he had to, you know, that they could publish any and all of his songs with their publishing company. So he took over all of his little, you know, whatever he did, they took it over. And 50% of it went to Art, the mm-hmm. owner of the company. And, the, you know, the group, the Soulsters, which is another reason why Sam was ready to move on because he was 19 and he was ready to make some money. Mm-hmm. But they made, the group made a penny, a record in royalties. And this would haunt him later on, you know, when it went into litigation and all that. And stuff, but the group got their biggest hits. They, re- they, re- this is something that's going to be interesting here, which I found fascinating in, in reading about Sam is that when they recorded, they were like released it like within a few months. Like they didn't sit on anything. You know how like nowadays yeah. people go, we've been working on our album, and you're gonna you're gonna hear it. You know it takes like a year. Yeah. Back then it was like Sam recorded it. The Soul Stirrers recorded it. They released it and he got it they got their biggest hits from him when Mm -hmm. he was with them but don't you think that's incredible that you release it in like a month as you will see about you send me i'll I'll tell you a great story but what do you think about i mean even the penny i thought that was incredible a penny
2: i mean even when you go to uh sold when you go to the what is it not exchange inflation inflation it's still pretty small right (laughs) that's still pretty small i know i meant
1: to bring you that calculator
2: Oh, yeah, I think, I, here, I have
1: it. Because you looked it up. We were talking yeah, about it was this. Yeah, it
2: was still not, and, it was not an impressive amount of money.
1: You know. I mean, uh, it also
2: depends what they, but I mean, that's not. How do you
1: divide up a penny in royalties? I think I how asked many, you that. How
2: many artists were there?
1: There, uh, okay. The I. would be divided? Let's say there were, I think there were five. Okay, so five. five,
2: a penny divide. Obviously, I have to it get adds it straight. up and stuff, but still. But that's happened, it's not uncommon that, you know, artists that have this great success have signed terrible deals. And then you find out afterwards under the where are they now and you think they're like billionaires living on a beach and you're like, no, not at all. That's why they're doing some reality show because they made right. some terrible deal. Totally. So it's not like that was just in the 50s. And That's I think they totally. pressure
1: you. Don't you think that, well, do, they, they probably, do you feel like they pressure you? Like, did you feel pressured when it came to your contract? Did you feel like, I have to sign this?
2: Well pressure from myself probably too <laughs> because I was like I've gotta do it
1: despite all despite my well you're enthusiastic you yeah know what well, I mean you want to do it you
2: want to believe that I think too as an artist you want I mean everybody's different everybody does things totally differently but I can speak for myself you know it's that it's that piece of validation it's that thing that you're like, oh great like my re- I can write songs and they can get out there. So it doesn't really seem like there's a lose to it. And, you know, probably reading contracts is a good idea, but that's Mm -hmm. something I chose not to do in the past.
1: (laughs) Not in the future. (laughs)
2: Not in the future. Not in the future. But it's just, you know, you live and learn, too, just like how you're saying. But I do think that definitely, I think that's happened to so many artists on multiple levels, from the very, you know, from people you've never heard of to, Mm -hmm. and there could be a reason why you never heard of them. It could have been the contract they Mm -hmm. Mm signed to massive artists. So, it's um and that That's was so also sad. a very different time too yeah. you know it's everybody wanted to be given a chance and luckily he i mean he did have ended up having a remarkable career regardless of that
1: think about the people that that were remar- that were great at it and didn't you know it didn't their careers didn't come to fruition think about oh, I mean, all there's, those people there's that-
2: millions of people like that i mean there's it's there's no shortage of talent. There really isn't. We think there's yep. like one or two brilliant people. There's actually a lot of brilliant art. I mean, I've known brilliant artists in mm. my lifetime that maybe they'll be huge, maybe they won't. We don't know. But it's, yeah, it's it's very interesting how, you know, we've talked about this too, that luckily Sam had was able to have he was in the
1: right book. place, had, had all these like. And he
2: also was very special. I mean, there was no question that totally. he was special. Totally.
1: It's like, like a young Whitney Houston, you know, like she was very like when she well, was she a was kid. She
2: was undeniable. Like she, she, she was.
1: Like, she we, was.
2: We'll, we'll go on a whole other show, about yes, Whitney yes, because. yes, so that totally. Was, that was an undeniable <laughs> voice, like like Sam's. It was there's you just listen to that and you're like, Okay, you're ridiculous. Like there's yeah. some people that you're just like jaw drop. You're ridiculous. I don't yeah, even they know just
1: what got it from day one. Yeah, they're, that, it's like that a 100 it. it. Um, and it's funny because. You know, going out on the road, he really was a heartthrob, like, at a young age, and he mm-hmm. knew it. He, he was respectful, but, you know, I mean, there was a term that I noticed in Daniel Wolf's book with S.R. Crane, actually, um, The Life and Times of Sam Cooke, there, they, S.R. Crane called it, it's a terminology that you use for the church mother, like when they would travel around, they went everywhere, they went all over the country and it was called sister flute and it was it was like they would say okay who is the church mother okay now if we get her going if we get her to get excited and get into our performance then the rest of the church is going to follow oh. and that's what they did they would pick out who the church mother was it's sister flute and if they got her going then they knew you know what That's a great indication of a successful performance, and they made more money Ah. because, you know, people would give more in the collection plate, Mm -hmm. and that's how they said they would get a larger amount, Mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, that's when he really learned to finesse, I think, an audience because he was a showman, and I think these formative years as a a young professional really set the tone with him, you know.
2: Yeah, and he also had, I mean, look at that face. Like, come on. He I know. Knew. He's just some people. I was like, I was actually telling you the other day, yeah. about years ago, I used to, i still think about this kid. I used to <laughs> sing songs in preschools, and there was this one kid, he was ridiculous. He was two and a half years old. He was often late to class, and it was this one day in particular, he came into class, and again, this kid's in diapers, <laughs> and he walks in with, like, this crazy, like, just, confidence he just like shuffles in all it was crazy and you watch all the little kids just look at him and they're like oh my god like he had (laughs) arrived and then one of the teachers like had to hold him and she was holding him and he like was at the back of the class and he looks at me and he just blows me a kiss but just with like more gain than any guy adult I've ever seen and I was like that kid is special. And it's, yes. so it's years later, I'm still thinking of him. And when we were talking about Sam Cooke, because Sam Cooke <laughs> yes. just had that face. It was just like, he just looks charming. I'm like, yes. that two and a half year old, just like, I can't wait to see, like, I hope... I wish I knew his name, cause I swear to God, I wish you did too. Something. You'd have
1: to give him a shout out if oh, you knew his name. Oh, cause he's hilarious. Uh, like, I mean, it was just... and the fact that he knew to blow you a kiss. And it's the at way he old. blew me the kiss. He was like lean back
2: on the lady. <laughs> and he just looks at me and he like nods his head. It wasn't a baby kiss. It was like, <laughs> hey, like <laughs> I see you.
1: I didn't forget about you. I didn't forget about you, Miss Michelle. I didn't forget about you. He was giving you love from the back to the back of the room just to make you feel inclusive. Yes, that was Sam. Yeah, that was see Sam. How I think it's like Sam um, and that baby too. You know, as we'll see when we get to the part about the girls, we, we'll oh, yeah, see the girls as well. you know. <laughs> he was a Sam prolific song. That's right. He was. He was uh, he, he was a little ladies man. Um he was a prolific songwriter. He kept, he started writing his own gospel songs that the soul Stirrers sang and they you know, he wrote gospel lyrics for them. He's pretty amazing. I know. At that age, standards. he wrote their biggest hits. You know, like, he, you know, it was pretty incredible. You know, it's so funny. Years later, you know, he wrote a lot of hits for the Soulsters, as I said. And years later, you know, he was on Dick Clark and Dick Clark's, you know, he explained his songwriting technique to Dick Clark. Um, he says, and this is quote, this is from Sam. He said, <clears throat> I think the secret is really observation. If you observe what's going on, try to figure out how people are thinking, and then determine the time, and the, determine the times of your day. And I think you can always write something that people understand.
2: Oh, that is brilliant. That's another one I gotta.
1: We have to put up that up. <laughs> you don't
2: have you know, that, that problem. A, you but write. a lot of, but a lot of writers though, that's. Um, like Even when you think of comedians, like right. a lot of great comedy is quite simple. It's like mm. observational humor. And you watch it, and you're like, mm. it's so simple that you almost think, like, why didn't I think of that? But that was so, it was delivered so perfectly. Yes, yes. And if
1: you think about Richard Pryor, or like, they're great storytellers, too. Mm, and they're yeah, like simple totally. storytellers. And I think that's what makes a great song. Like yeah, well, it is. It's
2: <coughs> taking it and simplifying it and then putting emotion with that and it's not like it's not the easiest thing to do that's why if you're in far between do it well
1: oh and Sam I, was
2: one of the ones who did it well
1: yeah and on top of that being the natural born leader that he was again he did the arranging he was like no I, we can just he started arranging and you know I think this was probably instrumental in his creative work ethic because You know, he was known to be, he became a perfectionist in the studio. And, like, I think people can go on, like, YouTube or something and listen to him talk in the studio and go, okay, you go over here. Okay, you do this. Okay, you do that. Okay, now come in here. And he had a little cigarette in his hand or or whatever it was when he was looking so cool and stuff like that. But, you know, he was um, incredible, you know. But in 1953, um, that was a monumental year.
2: I can't wait to hear more. Well, everybody come back and listen to Sam Cooke, part two. I hold you close to me. I hold you close
0: to me. Close to me. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at rockabiespod.